Welcome to Wednesday Night Worship at First Baptist. Tonight's speaker is Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you for this opportunity to join our voices and our hearts together to worship you. And now, we pray that by your word and by your spirit, you would speak to our hearts, that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds, and that you would make us more like Jesus. For it's in his precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Tonight we continue on our journey through the faith stories that are revealed in Hebrews chapter 11. And we are yet again in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. Let me read that verse to us as our theme for tonight's message. And tonight we're going to focus on the story of Samson. The writer of Hebrews writes as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit saying this, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets. Again, tonight we're going to talk about Samson. And Samson's story is told in the book of Judges from Judges chapter 13 through Judges chapter 16. And we're obviously not going to read all of that tonight, but I do want to frame our discussion of Samson with the fact that God set him apart from birth to be different to be set apart to God. So Judges chapter 13, beginning with verse 1, God tells us this, And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Remember, the book of Judges is repeatedly about God's people turning from God to do what seemed right in their own eyes, and then God bringing judgment by allowing an oppressor to oppress his people. Then God would raise up a judge who would call the people back to God. Well, he's going to do that through Samson. Verse 2, There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines." Now here's what's very interesting. God speaks to the mother of Samson and indicates to her that this child who will be miraculously born to a woman who had struggled with infertility for so long, that this child would be a Nazarite to God, set apart to God from birth. Well, what is a Nazarite? In Numbers chapter 6, we learn that there is a Nazarite vow that can be taken by any man or woman who wants to set him or herself apart to God. It's usually voluntarily entered into. It's for a limited amount of time. And it has three primary stipulations that during the time of the Nazarite vow, number one, the person taking the vow will completely abstain from wine or strong drink or anything that comes from the vineyard. That number two, the person taking the Nazarite vow will completely abstain from having their hair cut at all. So no cutting of the hair. And number three, that during the time of this Nazarite vow, the person taking it will have absolutely no contact with the dead. 
Those are the stipulations of a Nazarite vow. Now, here's what's unique about Samson. Samson's Nazarite vow was not voluntarily entered into by him, but rather it was part of God's design for his life, part of God's calling upon Samson's life so that he would be set apart from birth to serve God and to be God's instrument against the Philistines. Well, what we're going to see about Samson is that he was certainly imperfect. In fact, one theologian would describe him as being a mess. So remember the three elements of a Nazarite vow, that there would be no wine or strong drink, no cutting of the hair, and no contact with the dead body. And this for Samson was to be a lifelong stipulation until the day of his death. Well, Samson first got into trouble when he turned away to marry outside of the people of God. Uh, that was prohibited among God's people. They were to marry those who trusted and followed the living God, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Instead, Samson decided that he wanted to marry a Philistine, and the reason that he gave was that she was right in his eyes. You know, the Bible says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. And so that was kind of strike one for Samson. He turned outside of God's people to marry someone who was of the Philistines. Um, he shouldn't have done that. And you know, the Bible tells us that we should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, that we should marry those who trust and follow Jesus Christ as Lord. But Samson said about this girl, she seems right in my eyes. And how much trouble do we get into when we do what seems right in our eyes? The second thing, though, is that Samson associated with a dead body. There's a story in Judges chapter 14, verses 5 through 9, that as Samson is going down with his father and mother to this woman, that a young lion comes upon him, and just with his bare hands, he tears the young lion, kills the lion, and, and they travel on, and on their way back, Samson's hungry. Well, he finds the carcass of this lion, and bees have set up a honeycomb inside the carcass of this lion. So Samson breaks his Nazarite vow by approaching this dead body, reaching in, gathering some of the honey, and eating it. And the Bible says he even gave some to his parents. So as one with a permanent Nazarite vow, Samson should have had nothing to do with that dead body, and nevertheless, he did. Well, Samson also broke his Nazarite vow by the fact that he very likely drank strong drink. In Judges chapter 14, verse 10, the Bible says that Samson's father went down to the woman and Samson prepared a feast there, for so the young men used to do. And that word in Hebrew that is translated feast is mishteh. And that particular word is a feast or banquet that is an occasion for drinking or a drinking bout. So chances are good that even at his own feast uh, in honor of his wedding to a woman who was outside of God's people, uh, Samson very likely broke the component of his Nazarite vow that he was not to have wine or strong drink or anything from the vineyard. And then perhaps the most famous aspect of Samson's breaking his Nazarite vow came with Delilah. And I want to call your attention to Judges chapter 16, verses 4 through 6, and then 15 through 21. And I want to read this text to you and remind you of the story of Samson and Delilah. 
After this, the Bible says, Samson loved a woman of the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Seduce him and see where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. And we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. You know, Samson had a problem with being weak around women he desired. And he lied to her a couple of times. He misled her. Um, and after he misled her several times, she says to him in verse 15, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And he told her all his heart and said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. And then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as the other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. Samson there, because of his desire for a woman for which he should not have had desire, um, shared the secret of his strength, and Delilah took advantage of him. Uh, she had indicated three times already that she intended to take advantage of him. Um, but nevertheless, Samson, in his weakness, relented to her constant barrage of questioning, where does your strength lie? As a result, Samson lost his strength. He finally and fully broke his Nazarite vow. And he had his eyes gouged, eyes gouged out and was captured by the Philistines. Why in the world would God include Samson in the great hall of faith of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32? Well, Samson's life ended by Samson being tied to the pillars of the house during a party in which the Philistines were honoring their God, Dagon. Now, Samson reached out to God, called out to God, and said, Lord, give me strength yet one more time. Um, and Samson, believing that God would give him strength. Samson didn't even want the strength to vindicate the name of Almighty God in the presence of Philistines who were worshiping Dagon. No, he wanted to avenge himself. And nevertheless, God was going to answer his prayer to stand over the Philistine God, Dagon, and to judge the Philistines. So why in the world would the writer of Hebrews be led by the Holy Spirit to include the name of Samson? Samson was so imperfect. Mark Dever, the pastor of Capitol Hill Baptist Church, in his book entitled The Message of the Old Testament, says this, Samson, well, Samson is an absolute mess. 
between marrying a foreign woman, being violent, deceptive, and vengeful, and egregiously failing to keep his commitments. But that's not the whole story. Despite their faults, these judges believe the word of the Lord and act heroically in faith. God calls them to deliver his people from their oppressors, and they trust and obey. So what's the bottom line here? Well, the bottom line is that God uses imperfect people to accomplish his purposes. God's only ever used one perfect person to accomplish his purposes, and that person was Jesus of Nazareth, who was God in flesh to dwell among us. The rest of us, we're deeply flawed. But you know, even we deeply flawed people, when we look with faith to Almighty God through Jesus Christ our Lord, can be used as instruments in the Redeemer's hands to do great works in the power of the Holy Spirit for God's glory and the world's good. So chances are good that you're not quite as bad as Samson was. And if God could use Samson, I bet he could use you. In fact, as you look through the Bible, you see the stories of men and women who were imperfect in so many ways, and yet God has been faithful. And so I pray that Samson's story was in, would encourage all of us to turn to Jesus, to trust Jesus more, to follow him more closely, not to be like Samson and step away from the calling of God, but no, to trust Jesus and obey him in every moment, not just in one. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. And we thank you that you use imperfect people to accomplish your purposes. And we come to you as imperfect people who desire, by your grace, to be instruments in your hands or to bring the message of truth and hope and love to all people. And so, Lord, we ask your blessing on us. Help us to look to you, to focus on you, and to be faithful to you. And, Lord, yet again, as we bring this time of worship to a close, we join our hearts and our minds and even our voices to pray that prayer that our Lord taught us to pray. And in so doing, we will answer the question, whose father? Our father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to worship with us tonight. And we invite you to join us this Sunday at 11 a.m. as we lift up the name of Jesus to worship him together. God bless you.